0: Post-roll Benchmarks, and Fill Rate. That's what we're talking about this week on Sounds Profitable with me, Brian Barletta. This episode is sponsored by Podsites, Podcast Attribution. For more information, go to podsites.com. I know that you're listening to Sounds Profitable because podcast ad tech is important to you. But it's important to me that you are kept up to date on the latest news from the entire podcast industry. To help with that, here's what happened last week, no matter when you're listening, from James Critlin at Pod News. Let's be honest. When's the last time you listened to the end of a podcast? Sounds profitable already gets that you don't want to listen to Postroll, so we've attempted to entice you to stay to the end of the episode by putting a syndicated piece of content from Evo Terror at the end of each show and even do a call out earlier to remind you it's there. Content aside, it's hard to convince people to stick around to the end of an episode just to listen to an ad, which is what I talk about in my article, Postroll is Bullshit, which I link to in the description. I spoke with Dane Cardiel, a founding member of Simplecast, to talk about what the future holds for Postroll. So today, we're going to dig into the article uh, that I titled, Post Roll is Bullshit. I did it because I believe that uh, and also because I thought I would get some reactions and it definitely did. So you know, me and you had talked about this for a while and I thought you were a great fit. So you deal directly with people that are using podcast platforms to basically monetize their shows and, and approach these yeah. head on. So I thought you'd be a great fit here. To give another point of view, because it's so easy on my end to be like, "Why are you buying the last seconds of a show?" What do you think, Yoda? Yeah. I, I think that I think the easiest thing to dive into to start, as you provided such great notes, I'm not going to let that slide. Everyone gets to know that you provided like a really great view for us to dig into here. Is one thing is the big difference between types of ads. Um, do you find that people get confused a lot between you know baked in versus dynamic inserted host red versus announcer red?
1: Yeah, I think they do and I'm sorry, you're probably going to get a little bit of my dog in the background. No worries. That happens, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I feel like we're still very much in like a learning phase, like an or an education phase where people will hear dynamic insertion and some for some reason go directly to like programmatic as like yeah. the the definition of what dynamic insertion means and then also they'll they'll jump to like dynamic insertion being a mechanism to deliver advertisements, which it very much is, but there are a lot of other use cases for dynamic insertion in general, so I think we're yeah definitely still in and hopefully soon to be out of the phase of educating folks on what this is and how can they use it inside or outside of an ad
0: yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, I like to call it dynamic content insertion, but I don't think it's going to catch on just in the same way that like SSAI server side ad insertion didn't catch on, but you can use it for whatever you want. NPR does a great job of using dynamic ad insertion to insert local radio. Like five minutes at the end of some of their shows that are national shows. That's such a clever way to do it. And then built into there, they also have dynamic ads on a national level and a local level that really take advantage of all the features. But like baked in is if I was immediately to start talking about Casper mattresses right now, it's part of the file. No one can take that out. You know, dynamic ad insertions, if we just leave a cut and then right here, there's a break. And then in that break, we you know we use technology to pause the audio and insert something in there if there's something available but a host read like i could read my dynamic ads i could say that in the united states there's going to be like four different areas that i want to do a different ad to i want to talk to the northeast versus southeast and all the different areas and i could record a different message for each of them so based on where you're listening from i talk about my tour dates because Sounds Profitable is going on tour, I guess. And <laughs> and, and I appeal to the specific audience. So I'm not talking about New York to people in California. And I think that's something people brush over.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And just in general, I mean, I was reviewing the IAB revenue study and I don't know, did you, fi- did you find it interesting that only 48% use dynamic ad insertion or does that make sense to you I... uh, out
0: of... Yeah. I think that I'm, I'm honestly, there are some companies that have been really fun to talk to that I've reached out to and they're, they've got such sophisticated ad sales and then you find out it's baked in and they do like prefix URL (laughs) tracking. And and I'm just like, it would take like one long weekend from one mediumly paid person to fix this for you forever. Right. And they're just like, yeah, but it works. So and the reason
1: well they're also not getting like a huge push from advertisers, right? Because advertisers love a baked in spot, so they're not gonna try to get people off of that. But yeah. Yeah, I find that I find that fascinating. And I and you know, I'm kinda curious why, but I I do think like a, a layer to it is that, you know, not all quote unquote consumer hosting platforms offer it. And if they do offer it, they might offer it at a premium. So there's a little bit of like accessibility
0: to the the tool itself, yeah. I think at play because if if we were recording this on Anchor right now, we can just say the ad and it's part of it, and we publish it live. It takes a level of operations to to do the work to split it up to put the dynamic ad in there, which usually means you have a salesperson and an operations person, or you're doing that yourself. So it takes a little bit more effort. But you're right; not all hosting platforms offer it, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, podcast hosting and ad serving don't have to be tied completely together. But I think we're going to see more people become comfortable with it uh, and more people use it. I think those numbers are going to be way different uh, for their next version of that survey, maybe even the one after, because partners like yourself with Simplecast and the connection to AdsWiz and like Omni connected to Triton, there's going to be a lot more opportunity for these partners to just by default connect to a programmatic or a dynamic ad insertion relationship i mean red circle's entire model is built off of that you could i guess do host red ads in red circle but their entire focus is they are like you host with them for free and they're going to sell ads
1: i think just in general one thing that i'm excited about for the coming year is just people to get excited about how they can use dynamic ad insertion differently so anyone listening to this that are that's still in the early phase i would feel like if you want to learn more about what it is, obviously you're a great resource for that. But yeah, I'm just looking forward to people kind of exploring creatively what what what's next for for the dynamic app. You
0: know what? I, I've been thinking about this for a while and I figure if I say it out loud, it has to come true. I think, you know, all these other industries have like um, game jams or like hackathons or something like that. Mm-hmm. I would kill for <laughs> some of the people in the podcast industry to get together and, and like 24 hours, 48 hours, what can you do with your own platform and the tools there to create something cool and unique? Right. And I think you can do some really crazy things with, you know, dynamic ad insertion. I mean, I'm, I'm planning on doing it for this podcast. You know, if you're listening on a smart speaker, I might say how bold of you to listen to, to this out loud. I hope I don't swear in front of your children. You know, uh, I think there's, there are clever things you can do like that, that Maybe you're a little bit creepy, but I think there's a lot of like artistic <laughs> things you could do that really draw people in. I know that Wushka did a, they just released their own true crime podcast and, you know, I'm not in Australia, so I can't test it out, but I believe they use dynamic content insertion so that based on your proximity to where things are happening in the story as they're telling it, they're going to tell you something different. Like, oh, it, interesting that body was found not that far from you. Right? Like, oh, interesting! And I think that that's cool. I love that. Yeah, more like a Mad Libs style, and more on the creative side than just focusing on the ads.
1: Yeah, and I think that's you know what what I love about podcasting is that you know the intrigue or like the the drive to explore storytelling in that way, or to kind of be a little bit more experimental. But I'm curious from from your perspective. I think you know in this article that we're referencing, you're asking about okay, what is the start? Like, What's a pre-roll? What's a post-roll? What's a mid-roll? Do you have a pretty good, you know, although there's not really a standardization around the industry about these things, do you have like a definition that you think we should adhere to? And is that kind of like the purpose of the article itself? Like, can we rebrand this in some way?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, When I came into it, people were like, oh, at the exact zero second mark is when a pre-roll starts. And at the last second of the show is when the post-roll starts. And those bother me because my library of shows, which is terrible finding out that in Apple Podcasts, if you don't finish an episode, it negatively impacts their rating. So I have to go back and listen to the end of all the shows that I like and make sure I just let it run from now on. But if I start a show and I've never heard it before, and the first thing I hear is an ad from a voice that I'm not familiar with, whether it's the host or not, like I don't know them at this point. To me, that's really off-putting. I want to hear the intro. I want to hear the setup, what it is. Give me a chance to figure out if I want to listen to the show and if I like the person talking before you give me any form of ad, host read or announcer read. So for me, I think a pre-roll, I don't think there's a time or a percentage mark, but you set up the show right? Tell me who you are, what this is, what we're going to talk about today. And then before you get into the body of it, go for it, do a pre-roll one or two. I think mid-roll is, I think everybody's comfortable with that. It's once we're in the content and then post-roll, I am so notorious to not finish an episode. I talked to, you know, the guy over at Fable and Folly, and he explained that like in a, in a narrative, like a, a fictional narrative podcast, he sees way more people listen all the way to the end. Totally. Uh, yep. but like in like I love what a day. And the second they're like that's all. And they don't have pod, they don't have any ads at the end. But there's like still like a minute or two left and I'm I'm gone. I'm on to the next thing. I got limited time. So I I really think that the same thing. It's once the body ends, exit the body into a post roll and then give me your closing notes. Because I want to hear like what's going on, what's important, how do you wrap it up? But I think a lot of people consider that more of a last mid-roll than a post-roll. And maybe that's okay. Maybe we just get rid of the post-roll.
1: Well, I mean, the metric that you listed, I think 65% from like a UK-based study would finish the episode. And I feel like that's a lot of people. That's a lot right? of people. Like 65% is still a substantial percentage. I mean, you look at like completion rate and I feel maybe not for web player listens, but for listens in an app, like what are you looking for? Like anywhere between 80 and 90% as like amazing. And then I think 65% still is a pretty good listen through rate. I'd say so,
0: especially in a medium where we're tracking based on a survey, right? Where we're not able to do like, like video is like every single person is held accountable for that, right? Because they're able to track it in real time. But I think with, you know the surveys are always kind of interesting I, I think it's probably still around that i think the accuracy it still matters but yeah i don't know i i'd say that 65% when when people binge this content uh mm. is is pretty high and so would you agree with those definitions of where the ad slots are or do you do you kind of view them differently
1: yeah i mean i think it's tricky cuz there's like a tech component to it Where it's just like, yeah, of course, a pre-roll is before the content. And of course, the the post-roll is after the content. But then once you add in like an editorial perspective or a sales perspective, then of course, like that's where the lines, I think, blur. So like when you're in a CMS, you know, the CMS, you know, the Simplecast, for example, you know, we have a decision to make. Do we want to sort of, you know, lead with the tech perspective that, you know, by definition, of course, it's before, which is, you know, how our platform actually you know list that out or do we go with the the more like editorially friendly or sort of loose loose definition so i think i'm you know for the tech perspective i was like this is a pre-roll that's a post-roll and i actually like like the iab's definition you know within like the first two minutes of an episode i think just that's like a good compromise and then after the credits roll that's sort of like a post-roll but I do think we have to get creative with yeah. you know how we sell it and how we sort of format it and package it. So, would
0: you buy an ad after the credits roll?
1: No, I mean we're we're <laughs> we're we're, we're absolutely, absolutely like in the IAB study in the pod site survey reference. You know, like it's clear. I think three percent in the IAB study like is uh, is where you know the post roll was was sold at. So, but I think you can get creative where you know you 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 know, we, we hear a lot about swapping episodes or episode oh, swaps between- Oh, I think between, that's great, yeah. Where, you know, you have like a pre-roll that says, you know, it's maybe it's the intro plus like, hey, at the end of this episode, we're gonna drop one of our favorite episodes from a friend. And then you drop that post-roll as a, a, a full-length episode. And if someone
0: wants to stick around for that, they can. See, I'd, I would do that, right? Like, I think that if I even got like a five-minute version of another show as a post-roll, I would stick around my kid listens to podcasts now my 2 year old listens to uh, uh Molly of Denali from PRX and i love it i think they should probably use dynamic ad insertion because ikea is getting their money's worth out of that ad on me but uh they did like an episode drop for a different prx show and my son doesn't want to hear it and if i tell you know alexa to play molly of denali the end result is they're going to play the most recent episode for whatever reason and that's the dropped episode. And so now I'm scrambling, trying to find it out. But if we went through and we listened for the 20 minutes, and then at the end, they're just like, here's a five-minute version of one of the episodes, I bet I could convince my picky kid to give it a shot. I know that that any show that I like that's willing to stitch in or even dynamically insert another show five minutes of content, it would it would convince me to explore their network more. Sometimes totally. I'm just too lazy. They might make a recommendation, but as a big crooked media fan, it took me forever to move from Pod Save America to What a Day, and also to include in Love It or Leave It or or um, was it America Dissected, which is so interesting. But I was just like, ah, oh, I have to find it and subscribe to it. So I think you're right there. Using it creative is like a really important part of it, but that that gets away from the ad side, and that's I think that was the thing I was trying to drive home to people, like the monetary selling of that spot is real rough
1: yeah i think there's a lot of value for for in-house inventory and like how do you how do you manage in-house inventory whether it's internal promotion you know uh you know promoting other shows within a network or you know that, that creative episode swap i think the roll is really great you know that 65 percent is probably a pretty committed audience uh, yeah. member so they're probably you know by and large, want to hear that that sort of stuff. so it kind of gets to my like next question around like what's the right ad load because I think in a lot of the um, in ad load being you know how many ads do we make available in this episode if if a hundred percent dynamically was inserted into that episode,
0: do you like to think about that as total time or total slots?
1: I don't know if I have an opinion on that. I because it's like is this like a, a radio
0: <clears throat> slash like streaming question? Um, well, no. I mean, when I think about it, right? Like a lot of the platforms, and you know, you can just say this is an ad slot. I can accept any length, or you can determine right. how how long it can go. You know, I love the Real Friends Fake Doctors podcast from iHeart, but after like the seventh time listening to the two minute long exploding burrito host right. red ad that was not iterated on and just used every single time the same way. I was frustrated and there were still like six more ads in it. Sure. So for me, I think I think it's total time. Like I think one ad that's too long or is is too poorly targeted is enough to frustrate me from the rest of the yeah. episode, make me either skip the ads or stop listening. But I was talking. I might be
1: a, I might be a little bit more lenient yeah? than you. I think I'm like I'm first like how many ads? So I think like three is is too much. Three is too much. Yeah. How do you listen and to then, any
0: Wondery podcast then?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, no comment. <laughs> I just don't. I I haven't listened to many. Not for not wanting to. No. So I think yeah, three. But then there's also I think the added element of time. So yeah, I'm probably at like a minute and a half, two minutes at my limit where I'll give them the first ad. I was like, okay, you've earned the first ad. And then I'll give them the second ad. If that second ad gets too long. That's when I hit my 45 second advance
0: yeah. button. I think for me, it's the freshness, right? Like, so even, you know, ZipRecruiter, and, and I keep going back to Crooked Media, not that I love these guys or anything, um, but like they, it seems like almost every episode, even if they're doing the same Zip recruiter ad or whatever it is, it's fresh. It's new jokes. It's it. I I know they're dynamically inserting it, but it um it's more relevant. They're you yeah, know they're great. mixing it up like that's and it's and they're over a minute long sometimes, and then they go right into another ad. Sometimes two or three total ads in a row, but it's how they go about it makes it not unappealing. Um yep. but I was talking with uh, Jeff Fiddler over at Signal Hill Insights today, and he's working on a study to see like length of ad to see what people like or what they're more responsive to and at the same time i'd come across that like youtube six second ads are doing really well right now Hmm. and so you know we have a lot of 30 and 60 second are where the mindset is 90 and 20 people push for and i think i don't think there's the creativity behind them to merit them i think they're more off-putting than valuable but i i'm real curious to see 15 seconds like what if someone is effective in using a 15-second ad, I, I don't think there's really... As long as you're not putting eight of them together, I think if you spread them out, I'll listen to 12 in an episode without blinking. Well, there was that. It was really interesting to me when it came out. This is 2019.
1: This is a, another pod site study. But them saying that, that pre-rolls were 47% more effective than mid-rolls. And, you know, when we think about how we price a mid-roll versus pre-roll, I think mid-rolls are more expensive. uh, expensive. But when you add that layer of, you know, pre-rolls as being quite effective, I was kind of surprised that that, like, bit of information didn't catch on more. Like, should we actually be pricing or thinking about the pre-roll as a one, a really valuable spot? And is it more valuable than the mid-roll?
0: Yeah, I think we're in we're still in this phase of podcast advertising where it's all about like showing off, right? Like I think it really takes a sophisticated advertiser or agency to take the risk of being like looking at those numbers and then running like a, like a heavy pre-roll campaign and then like a slight control against a, a mid roll or a post roll and seeing what the results are. Because I think a lot of people like bigger, advertisers and and agencies are buying into podcasting kind of for vanity metrics it feels like and so when you can say oh you can hear this in the middle of the show right or it's host red are it's like a show-off thing and so i think pre-roll well, a lot of our industry is kind
1: of like yeah not vanity in a negative way i think there's a there's a a positive like light to like doing things how many for, award shows know. do we have yeah <laughs>
0: Right like too minutes. yeah, I think yeah. there's a- actually we're recording this in December, and I'm pretty sure there's like three this month or next month, and so yeah, i like I agree with you i I do think it's a vanity metric, but what would you suggest then, like what would you try out if you had had a chance at it?
1: well, i mean the I think the sweet spot for me if we're just thinking about ad breaks is um is three, I think three ad breaks, and then it then the next question is how many positions do I make available in those ad breaks? So, you know, if I have, uh, well, there's also, you know, how much time yeah. the episode is. I think that's going to be a huge factor, a 60 minute episode versus a 10 minute episode. So if we're looking at what, what the average is right now, what is it like 35 minutes? It's about 40 that, yeah. minutes. Yeah. I think, you know, a, a pre-roll in the beginning and maybe, you know, t- two mid-rolls in the middle, sorry, two mid-roll positions. So maybe that's one pre-roll and then one mid-roll break. But that doesn't make a lot of money, I don't no. think, or as much money. I think people are really trying to like get in, you know, at least two or three pre-rolls in and at least, you know, four, four in the mid. So that's yeah,
0: what's that's a six. That's a six. I think that's conservative. Ad-libbed. I think that that's yeah. what you're seeing at the heaviest sell. But I, I think that a lot of people are fifty percent sold or less, right? Like yeah. I I love the content iHeart's producing. It's some of the coolest shows, but they're really aggressive in their ad strategy. And I think that we're going to see from them either some really positive things with how they make it more creative, or we're going to see what happens when you put too many ads. When we watch the iHeart shows change and they're ranking on PodTrack or on Triton's Tracker. like I think that those are going to be some really interesting points to look at when they start scaling up more ads or, you know, when they connect into their vo- box Nest relationship, when they potentially work with Spotify to sell into things, like when will they start dropping a listenership, rather?
1: Well, it seems like that has been, you know, this uh, Edison research around super listeners, you know, the question on too many ads, that seems to be a pretty like drastic jump from 24% last year to 38% this year. You know, I, I, I wonder... What we need to do to protect like the the CPM rate in general, you know, um, if trying to jam as many ads, does that ultimately bring that CPM rate average down? Are there other factors that's going to increase the CPM because of targeting capabilities or, you know, other things? Yeah, so I think there's a question around how do we protect the CPM rate? while we do all these experiments, while we add on as many ads as we can. So I think we have to be conscious of that. And that's where the editorial teams, I, I think, you know, and I would imagine a lot of these editorial teams have a say in the sales conversation, maybe a little bit, I'm not sure, but maybe there's some pushback from, from them to say, Hey, we actually have to consider the listener experience. Yeah. In this."
0: That's such a tough fight. I don't envy those guys at all. Uh, I think they get trampled quite a bit. But what I'm hoping is that a lot of that editorial team is also these creative people. And so like, you know, I like to think about like Pacific Content and Jar Audio and these companies that make such clever shows, right? Branded content. Like I I wanna see them release ads.
1: Well, I think Vox is doing that. You know, there's like, I forget what show I listened to it on, but it was like a pretty immersive branded sponsored ad it was like maybe three to four minutes long it's a pretty like a like a long format yeah. ad um but it was like narrative and it, it had a story it was you know point of view I, you know 50 50 whether or not i i liked it or not <laughs> um but they're trying something different yeah. and i appreciate i appreciate that
0: because i think that can be neat i mean i think that if it's if it's really unique to the show, right? And it fits and could be effectively a segment. They're buying a content segment instead of just a 30-second or 60-second ad. Like, you know, with the PRX example for Molly and Denali, like, Ikea wasn't selling me on what new product there was. They were just reminding me that I probably need to attach all of the things in my kids' room to the wall. Because that's a safety issue. And I'm just like, oh, well, I listen to podcasts to be educated or to learn something new or to be entertained. And instead of just being like, buy this new thing, they were like, here's how to prevent your kid from being crushed. And I was like, I should go double check that all those are attached, right? Yeah, whenever I buy new furniture, I'm like, what is this? <laughs>
1: and I have to constantly be reminded, oh, it's it's a actually really important.
0: Thing. Yeah, yep. <laughs> I had to just remove a few of those. My kid learned to climb one of the things that we attached to the wall. So now I'm going to fill some holes. (laughs) But no, look, man, I, I think you got a great perspective on this. And I think that, you know, the publisher side and the editorial side is so important and needs to be protected. Like, I think advertising is always about the ad sales team pushing everyone and that's what they need to do. That's what they're hired to do. They're hired to make money. And that means, you know, making relationships and pushing for new things and pushing the limits they drive product innovation. They drive editor new content created. Right, we see more episodes come out, more shows created because of sales. But I think the truth is, is that podcasting's got something cool, and I want to see these editorial teams. Either you know, the dream is always to say no a little bit uh, because then we can all root for them secretly. But I think instead, I want to see them come up with something that's cooler than just another ad slot.
1: Yeah, well, there's and I I think I find myself in a interesting position at Simplecast because you know I'm kind of agnostic to like who wins ultimately. Like I'm not on the editorial side, I'm not on the sales side. I'm just like here's the tool and this is how you could use it. Here are a bunch of examples, you know, but it's ultimately up to you all to decide how you use the tool but i think in those conversations what i'm finding is there's there's yeah again back to the top there's still an education gap that's missing so if i don't know what's possible i can't even create a strategy around what's possible and not to plug your own uh, (laughs) initiatives but i do think what you're doing around these webinars that are like product focused and maybe you can uh, explain it better than i can but i think that's really important for people to really study these things and get a first first review at what's out there and then ask themselves is this applicable should I apply it should I bring it in should I change partners so that I can explore that I feel like that's the first half
0: of uh, th- this next year for a lot of folks is yeah 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 so that you know Dane's talking about the product deep dives and the intent for those is that there's so much cool tech out there and uh, the press releases don't do it justice. The websites don't explain nearly enough. We want to see it hands on, and so you know, Dane is part of Simplecast, and uh, Aswiz, uh, part of that same family, uh, has signed up. They're going to be doing four in 2021, and I'm super excited because they have so many cool features that are just ripe for people to once they understand them to take advantage of them. And I'm, I, I think it's going to be really fun. We got. Basically the whole year scheduled, the third Thursday of every month they're premiered and then they're available on demand and they're completely free. Um, So I'm excited to see that people learn from them and then the innovation that comes from it. But Dane, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, It was a pleasure talking with you and I hope to have you back.
1: Yeah, it's super fun.
0: Thanks for listening to Sounds Profitable on your favorite podcast app. I appreciate you checking out my latest episode and hope you'll consider subscribing. And stick around for some special bonus content at the end of the episode. I've teamed up with Evoterra Terra to give you a minute-long strategic thought that is guaranteed to shift your perspective on the present and future of podcasting as we all work to make podcasting better. Thanks to Dane Cardiel for coming on to help expand on my article, Postroll is Bullshit. If you liked what you heard and want to connect, you can find me, Brian Barletta, on LinkedIn, way less formally on Twitter as High5RPG, and of course, you can email me, brian at soundsprofitable.com. We'd love to hear your responses to the questions we're asking or questions you may have for us. So click on the Yapa link in the description and leave us a voice message, which we'll gladly respond to and include in our podcast with your permission. The Sounds Profitable podcast and all cool ad tech bells and whistles you've experienced were thanks to our host and sponsor, Wooshka. Everything you've heard since the conversation ended was uniquely created to target you using their dynamic ad insertion features. If any of the callouts were wrong, let us know. Depending on how you're listening, there were over 10 opportunities to hear dynamically inserted content and ads in this episode. While we continue to tweak and innovate our setup, some of the breaks may be more noticeable than others. Thank you for bearing with us, and please send over your feedback. The Sounds Profitable podcast would not be possible without the help and support of Evo Terra, James Cridlin, Ian Powell, and Sam Mars. Thank you all for your help and support.